Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is our Thursday night, Friday morning Sox show, the last one of 2023 as the schedule shifts in the offseason. They had their final Yankees show earlier in the week. This is the final Sox show. My name is Pat. I'm joined with the normal by the normal crew, excuse me, Luke, Derek, and Joey. We are going to um, do what we've been doing for a while, but kind of just, you know, the, the final nail in the coffin. Um, talk about what went wrong in 2023, play the blame game so that next week we can start talking about 2024. Um, we're going to skip the first pitch tonight in lieu of our first uh, uh, topic on the agenda. Luke and I got to talk about it a little bit on the Sunday show, but we wanted to make sure that Derek and Joey jumped in as well. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit on this Sox episode about the passing of Tim Wakefield. I said pretty much everything I wanted to say on Sunday. And Luke, I know you wrote a really great piece on BleacherBrawls.com all about it that I would um, highly recommend everybody go check out and read. Uh, but I want to give you a second if you have any kind of follow-ups to that. Uh, just that pretty much. I wanted to uh, make sure uh, anybody who's listening checks out that In Memoriam Tim Wakefield column. Uh, that went up on bleacherbrawls.com on Tuesday. Uh, I put a lot of uh, a lot of my heart into that one. That was, you know, I didn't even realize how much. I don't think I realized how much Tim Wakefield meant to Red Sox fans until I really started thinking about that and uh, taking notes on it and stuff. And he was the ultimate unsung hero, eating innings in a whole bunch of different roles. And uh, I think people should revisit that. Um, obviously nobody's going to watch every single game again, but revisit, just think about maybe look over those, uh, you know, Wikipedia, the 2004 American league championship series. I didn't do that while I was writing it, but just kind of reconsume that series if you can, and just reassess it from the point of view of the part that Tim Wakefield played uh, in that series, which I don't think anybody has really thought about in a long time. Cause he was kind of an afterthought in that series, but played a really important role. Joey. Yeah, Tim Wigfield was my favorite pitcher to watch when I was a kid. Uh, I think he retired in 2011. Uh, he was my favorite pitcher to watch. Uh, the knuckleball was so unique. It was so interesting. And, you know, what was great about Wakefield is he, you know, he bridged the gap generationally to like those 90s, 2004 Red Sox teams with with my, you know, my generation as a young man. So, you know, he was so important because of that. He was so interesting and he was such a unique player. It's really sad how everything ended and it, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to speak on it. It just did. I feel like anything I say will be not, not good enough. But yeah, Tim Wakefield meant a lot to me as a child. Tim Wakefield was, what, 10 years into his career by the time you were born? I Maybe 10 or 11, right? I think he debuted in 92, right? <laughs> no, 95. So, wait. 95? So, nine okay, years? He made his MLB debut in 92. He debuted with the Red Sox in 92. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. His major league debut was 92. That's right. I keep, I keep forgetting about those Pirates years. I actually remember reading his book. I remember reading his book, and he got kicked off the Pirates. He was sent to Double A. You know, it wasn't even Triple A. He was riding the bus, and then he had to make his way back. But yeah, I, the, one of the last guy of that generation, that early '90s, to probably play in the MLB. So it's just really, uh, yeah, it's really sad. Derek. Yeah, I mean, I think this is more so like you look at like. Think of like what all of his past teammates have said about him in the previous like few days, and it's like you kind. Then you can kind of start to under understand the magnitude of how beloved Tim Wakefield was, right? You that's when you start to understand this guy not only was a piece of two Red Sox World Series teams, massive part of stuff that the Red Sox did on and off the field, including with stuff he did with the Jimmy Fund. But just seemed to be a person that no one had any bad things to say about. And that's rare to come across, you know, in the big leagues. It's rare that no one has a bad thing to say about you. Tim Wakefield is one of those few guys. Um, he's someone who will definitely be missed by Red Sox Nation. 
Um, I'm sure the Red Sox have will have something planned for him at some point. Um, maybe they'll do patch on the jersey like they did for Jerry Remy or something. They'll have something planned for him, but most importantly, just kind of condolences to his family, his friends, and all of his past teammates who, like I said, seemingly everyone loves him. They might retiring his number might be on the table, and I only say that because they retired Johnny Pesky's number. I know he spent like eighty years with the organization or whatever, but it's just considering how long Wakefield was and all he did off the field with the Jimmy Fund and all this stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't retire his number, no disrespect to him, but I think the bar's got to be really high as far as performance on the field goes. But um, I I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. I'll also add too that like even without the number retirement, like he it does it doesn't matter whether he gets a number retired or not in terms of like he's still always going to be remembered. And I think the Red Sox like Chris Sale came to Boston, chose to not wear the number forty nine which he had worn his whole career with the White Sox because it was Tim Wakefield's number, right? that shows you the respect that players have for him. And if his number isn't officially retired, it's definitely going to be out of circulation. It probably kind of is already out of circulation, similar to what like Pedroia and Jason Baratek's numbers. Those are all out of circulation, not officially retired, but they're not being worn by anyone. And I can't see it being worn anytime soon by any Red Sox player. Well, to be fair, Veritex still wears his own number. <laughs> well, but but it's still, you know, <laughs> no, it's I know. still, you know, out of circulation. But he's he's no still out there in full him. uni every day, man. That is, is that true. is that by design, or do you think players are just like, you know what, I don't really want to take Pedroia's number yet, or or is that by I, design? I do you both. think Didn't like Martin Perez try to take Veritex's number or something? Don't, don't you guys remember a story like this? I think I there was something where he wanted to wear it, but. He ended up not wearing it. But then also, too, Veritech joined the coaching staff. So, like, I don't know. But it didn't happen, so. I I got to believe Alex that Martin Perez just didn't realize that was Veritech's number. He just asked for 33. And then somebody told him that's not a good idea. And then he probably said, okay, you know what? Happened. I'll pass. <laughs> All right, folks, let's talk a little bit about um, this past season. Uh, we want to play the blame game, and by that, we I don't have to be. Yeah, well, we could just stop now. Um, <laughs> by uh, by that, I mean, capital B, capital G. That's what we're calling it, the blame game. We're going to go through uh, all the different facets of the team, all the different facets of the organization, and everybody's going to pick the guy that they blame uh, for why things might have fallen apart. Um, in that in that specific area, I'm going to go a little bit out of the order that we've um, come up with, folks, and I'm going to start with the team, and then we're going to circle back. Um, I think to front office coaching staff kind of stuff. Um, so I want to start with the offense, and like I said, if, if I didn't make this clear, I'm sorry. Everybody's going to go, so we're just going to kind of round table this, um, and I'm going to sort of call on people as we go. We're starting start with the offense, uh, an offense that was really clicking for a long time. Uh, and then just, I don't know, I think the entire, maybe just the entire team just didn't care in the past month of the season. Um, but for a while, it was an offense that was really forced to be reckoned with. Um, Derek, I'll start with you on this one. Um, the offense, who are you blaming? This may be a little unfair, but I'm blaming Alex Verdugo because this team almost went and go, they came and went as almost as he came and went. When, like, you look at the last you know, month of the season and the Red Sox offense couldn't hit a beach ball, Alex Verdugo was horrific, right? The times in the Red Sox offense was good. Verdugo coming up clutch. Big hits from Alex Verdugo. Going two for four. Going three for four. Hitting a double. Hitting a home run here and there, right? The So it almost felt like the offense almost went as he went and it came as he came. and it, it, I don't know. It's... It's hard to just blame one person when the whole offense is inconsistent, but a lot of the inconsistencies almost felt like it ebbed and flowed with Verdugo's inconsistencies at times. Uh, so for me, honestly, that's that's probably where I go in terms of placing blame. I like that pick. I mean, just how many walk-offs in just like the first month, uh, you know, saved a lot of games early on. Please be fair, you know, big moment early on in the season. Uh, Joey, 
I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to let, I'm going to let you. What am I going to say? I want, I want to, I want to hear your guess. I think you're going to say Rafi Devers. Okay. Well, so I'm good. I was going to say Rafi Devers (laughs) (laughs) and of course, you know, a great hitter, but when it mattered, when the team was still competitive, he, he was, he was mediocre. He was, he was just good. He really picked it up after the season fell out of contention absolutely did but you know weird thing i saw today i was actually doing some preparation for the show which i know you guys don't believe but i but i really was that's was the looking- weirdest thing stop that weird thing i was doing some preparation for the show <laughs> and i was looking through the baseball reference tristan cassis ended the season with a higher ops plus than devers which i thought was crazy so even though Devers picked it up the last couple months of the season, he still was outdone in OPS by Cassis. Devers didn't have his step-up season. I still don't think he's had as good of a season as he did in 2021 or 2019, the last two years. He's heading into, what, his age 27 season next year? Is that is that is that right? I, I expect him to... I expect him to... to to pick it up, I expect him to be play better. I think Devers might be a bit of a head case, not in a way that I think he's, you know, not going to be able to play, but I think that he is not as capable of setting the tone for the offense. I think he his performance is dependent on some of the team's performance in general. He's I don't think he's a spark plug. I don't think he gets the team going like that. And he is responsible for a lot of our losses during this season. He he was at times an empty shell and a strikeout machine. So you were right about his age. It is his twenty-seven year old season next year. But just going by his numbers really quick, I know you were down on his average for a while, but he finished the two seventy-one average, three fifty-one on base, five hundred slugging, eight fifty-one OPS, thirty-three home runs, hundred RBIs exactly, ninety runs. 157 hits and a 3.5 war. So, I mean, statistically speaking, pretty damn good. I'm not saying the, argument, no, but... the argument would be that Devers didn't show up for the whole year, and I'll use this example. Um, Devers is set from July onwards, 74 games, 302 average, 392 on base, 516 slugging for a 909 OPS. But that Rafi Devers wasn't there. And I'm not even going to ask him to hit 300, but, like, having that OPS in the nine, it was in the 900 range was not there at the start of the season. Um, definitely, you know, turned it on late in the year, the second half of the season. Definitely did, uh, but the numbers weren't the same in the first half. Uh, in the first, up until July, he played 79 games, hit just 243, 312 on base, 485 slugging for just 797 OPS. So Thank it doesn't, you, it's not, you know, not some massive, massive difference, but it still is a difference when that's your franchise player in the middle of your lineup. Yeah, and at the beginning of the season, he was particularly bad, as, as I remember. Again, Luke, I obviously Devers is, is probably the best hitter on this team. We all know that. It's just that his performance was not what it should have been, and he didn't set the tone for the offense. And a lot of, I mean, like, you used to complain about Bogarts. Bogarts is like numbers full of air because he'd have like a great August or he'd, have, he'd play well in dead time when it didn't matter. Devers did the same thing this season. And if you just take the time from when the Red Sox were competitive, if you use those stats, he was good, but he wasn't great. Uh, yeah, it was Bogarts did it every single year, but I get I get what you're saying. Uh, next year's the year where his contract or his uh, his salary uh, jumps up to twenty seven point five million a year. So if you think Joey is bad uh, when Devers makes seventeen million a year. Uh, just wait till he makes 28. Uh, Luke, who are you blaming for the offense? Chris Sale also continues to make $27.5 million a year next year. Um, I'm with Derek, actually. I got Alex Verdugo. I'm amazed that Derek chose Verdugo, and I'm proud of Derek for uh, taking that leap there, and I agree. Uh, again, like Pat said, started off great. He was hitting like 330, right, uh, in June, I think and he was leading off. He had four or five walk off hits. It feels like in April alone. But again, he's a he's a one half player. He dropped like a meteor after June. Uh, proved to the to the Red Sox. Proved to Red Sox fans that he's unworthy 
of a lucrative extension. He cannot be a building block uh, for the future. Um, you know, with a decent second half of the season, he may have been able to keep the lineup more consistent in the second half because, like Derek said, the team kind of came and went with him, which is not unheard of for a leadoff hitter. The guy at the top of the lineup, the guy getting the most at-bats, if he's really killing it, then that sets up the guys who are hitting after him in the order. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, Alex Verdugo gets the biggest amount of blame from me, offensively speaking. Uh, I'm going to go on that's going to be controversial, I think. And uh, I think that's kind of the angle I'm coming at things tonight. Is it fair to blame a rookie? No, but I'm going to. And I'm going to go Masataka Yoshida. Um, simply because... Okay, first half, uh, 139 OPS plus is a great player in the first half. Second half, 79 OPS plus. And he was a ground ball to the second baseman machine. What team was that like three weeks ago that like the only reason why he got a hit was because no one was standing (laughs) by second base, but he still hit it in the same spot he hit it for you know, eight weeks straight. Um, listen, a different thing for him. Okay. We know that in Japan, they don't play on Mondays. He had to play in the WBC. Um, 162 game season is just like crazy difficult on your body. And there are people who have been doing it for years that still can't do it. Alex Verdugo. Okay. Um, but Yoshida was not ready physically. Is that his fault? I don't know. Uh, probably not but was not ready for the grind of a major league baseball season. I'm hoping that with a full off season, no WBC regular spring training with this team. um, He's more kind of built for that endurance next year. Um, But he was supposed to be a centerpiece of this lineup and he was for a long time. Um, But in the second half and, and we, you know, we kind of get used to that like terminology baseball, like, Oh, first half player, second half player. You got to think second half is it's 12 weeks, you know, it's, it's, um, it's 80 games. You're right. Like that's a long time. And, um, he was no good for, for most of that. So backs up me and Joey's argument down with the WBC, no fake tournaments before the baseball season starts. Just take your five sprints a day, take five cuts in the cage and just don't get hurt and don't wear yourself out. That's what the spring is for. I echo Luke. WBC, I mean, think of it. If he couldn't handle the 162, how many games did he end up playing, including the WBC in spring training? Could have gotten close to 200, honestly, when you think about it. So, not good. I think he probably played like 10 games in WBC, but sure. Yeah, he, played, anyway. he did spring training, too. There was spring training. He played like yeah, hard, three days. Hard, days high leverage. Hard high leverage games where he's trying his oh, hardest, yeah. and yeah. you know, oh, but he look at Shohei, and Shohei and Mike Trout. They had that. Yeah, it was one at bat, and the U.S. lost. And anyway. also, did did Mike Trout and Shohei both play full seasons? <laughs> okay, oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, whatever, whatever. Yoshida also won the WBC, so who cares? Um, Joy, I'm going to start with you on this one. The starting pitching, uh, it was a mess this year. And so lots of different options you can go with. Uh, I want to know who you're going to choose. Who do I want to attack? I mean, that's, that's the real question. Who do I want to attack? I mean, there's so many options. I could go in, in, in all these different directions. Um, I think I'll take aim at... Hmm, I think I'm going to take aim at Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber was the opening day starter. Doesn't that bug you guys out? How many different guys have gone from being an opening day starter on a baseball team to being basically cut? I would like Derek to actually find that information. I I guarantee it's probably not a lot of people. It's probably it's impossible to look up because you can't look up basically cut. You can't no, look, no, up. You look just, up. Was no longer in the made no, no more starts. Just go to just go to opening day starter to cut.com. 
Okay. Anyway, Joey, go ahead. I trust. I trust. I trust Derek to figure these things out. I don't. I don't question how he does them. He, he figures them out. You know, I'm figuring out something else right now. Right. Right. He's doing his uh, chemistry homework. But anyway, what I was what I was thinking is Kluber, massive disappointment, massive expectations, and 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 just utter failure. Opening day starter, pathetic, sad. I don't even know how many starts he ended up making. Did he make more than ten? I mean, it, it was, was definitely more than ten. Uh, Hold on, it can't I'll be look too it many more. I need to check, but can't be too I many. Mean, I was... thought you did your research, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Listen, nine. Oh wow, you're right. Nine. nine. You nine. nine. Thank you, Derek. Hey, Derek. Guess what? Your prospect seg- your prospect segment just went from two to one minute. Did you know that? <laughs> it's from that. Anyway, yeah, Kluber just a. P- Pathetic season, and the saddest thing about it is, in theory, you could have used that money to keep Walker or Evaldi, right? Oh. I'm not gonna, I won't rehash, you know, I won't, I won't give Luke the opportunity to to swallow his tongue, right? But uh, that's the saddest part is what it could have been. It, it's what could have been Corey Kluber. It's what we could have turned that money into. We could have turned that effort into, and instead we got a washed up has been who who I think lives, I believe lives in Winchester, Massachusetts. So. There you go. Derek, are you done figuring that thing out? Can you go now? Um, yeah. Can I say that thing? Because it does relate to what you were saying <laughs> if, earlier. If it does, yeah. Um, so Yosh- I just really did want to do some research real quick on Yoshida and his splits between first half and second half and his home away splits. Nothing first to do half, with pitching, but yes. First half at home, Yoshida had a 147 weighted runs created plus. On the road in the first half, it was 125. In the second half on the road, that on the road it was um, sorry no the second half at on at home sorry it was set as a 72 uh, weighted runs created plus, so massive drop off right. In the second half on road games, he was also at a 74 weighted runs created plus as well. What's average? So, 100. 100 yes same it's same as ops plus except it also considers the type that how good the pitcher is you facing in the in the ballpark whether it's a hitters or a pitcher's ballpark led the league yeah. so essentially four, six, three double he was plays. demolishing pitching he was 47 percent better uh than league average at fenway in the first at home in the first half of the season and 25 percent better on the road but in the second half he's basically 25 percent like it was 26 and 28 percent worse on the road and at home in the second half. So he was equally bad at home and on the road, but then in the second half, good at home. But in the first half, he was killing it at Fenway. What I would and was not, still good on the road. Not to hit you with a nerdy argument, and I might have Pat push his glasses in just just to emphasize this. You know, correlation does not equal causation. It could be that the team in the first half was playing better as a whole at home. Or he had a bad road game stand somewhere in LA. Like that might not mean too much, but I mean maybe you're right. My um, the argument would be going back to the ground ball thing at Fenway. He can lift the ball to left and bang it off the wall, but if he's not lifting the ball and he's rolling over to the second baseman, you lose those hits off the wall that you even wouldn't even have at other parts. But because you're at Fenway as a lefty, you can just flick it out there if you can get the ball in the air. But he wasn't getting the ball in the air in the second half. All right, Derek, who so, are you blaming yes. for <laughs> yeah, the starting pitch? Yes. I'm going to agree, and I am saying that because I'm in total agreement with Joey. I don't have anything else to really add. Let's All right, on. another vote for Kluber, Luke. 7.04 ERA for Kluber, and I feel like that's a little low, actually. The only thing I'm going to rebut about Joe, yeah, Kluber was awful, but – it, oh, what we could have used that money on. You weren't getting Avaldi or even Waka for one year and $10 million, which is what Kluber got. But, um, yeah, I'm not – I figured everyone would take Kluber. So I don't blame Kluber the most because I wasn't expecting a damn thing from him. I thought it was a bad signing from the beginning, and I said that on our show at the beginning of the year, on our Pendulum show. Uh, so I'm blaming Chris Sale. Had enough. Had enough of his crap. Uh, Dave Dombrowski's greatest failure, maybe of his entire career, since he's pretty much, you know, right after Jesus in the the opinion of Joey and many of his ilk, as far as greatest humans to ever walk the earth. 
Who's um, in my ilk? Who's in my uh, ilk? <laughs> but Chris Sale, Dave Dombrowski's greatest failure, left the Red Sox in the lurch again for a couple months, cannot be relied on. Five. He, he has made five years, 140, well, he is still hasn't completed his five-year, $145 million contract, uh, as uh, which he is making. He, he got five years and $145 million um, to operate as an anchor that sinks us. You know, get out, Chris. Get on your bike if that's what it takes to, you know, just get an injury at before the season starts so nobody has to think about you. Nobody has to get their hopes up. Oh, maybe he'll be good for a little while. Just get on your bike so you break your other wrist, Mr. Glass, and just let us move on with our lives. Yeah, I know. I wonder if there, how many other pitchers have been a star like he was and then kind of ended up like he was. I mean, a lot of guys have been injured and had to leave the league. But Sale's weird thing of like coming back from constant injuries, but still coming back all the time and playing half the time. It's it's very interesting. I, I've never seen it in my lifetime, at least that I can remember. Maybe Derek, look it up. Show. How many guys were good and then became really bad? <laughs> no, no, Mike Hampton. Can I play Devil's Advocate on Sale? You know what? You're out of my ilk. You're not in my ilk anymore. Can I, I want to play Devil's Advocate on Chris Sale because his first five starts I'd rather were bad. Eight twenty-two ERA and five seventeen FIP after his first five starts. However, in his last fifteen starts of the season, uh, which was the, the remaining starts besides the, which is all of his other starts outside of his first five starts, Sale fifteen starts, seventy-nine and two-thirds innings, three sixteen ERA, three forty-one FIP, ninety-five strikeouts to just nineteen walks. So twenty starts. That's twenty starts. Yeah. Well. But I'm saying his last 15 starts, he pitched well. Is it ace? No. But, like, if you can get that Chris Sale healthy, which is a massive, massive if. Don't get me wrong. Massive if. Dude, he lost but all his velocity. And he was all over the board. He's not physically taking care of himself. His, yeah, his velocity was over the board. But I'm over those 15 starts, even with the velocity all over the board and whatnot, he still pitched well throughout the whole thing. Right, like I said, last fifteen starts a th- a three sixteen ERA and a three forty one FIP. That's one solid. Point. Obviously, he had a couple rougher starts, but still, that's solid. You just gotta one hope point. and pray that you can get it over a full season. One point three seven five million dollars per start. Yeah, that's definitely rough. That's why I said it's a massive if, but you gotta hope and pray that he can somehow just, stay healthy. It's just such wait till I sign my um my Bleacher Brawls contract. <laughs> It should never have been a problem to begin with. It was such a horrible decision to sign him. Could have could have thrown that money at Mookie Betts, added that to what you wanted to offer Betts. Instead, we don't have Betts, uh, and we got a broken sale. I'm going to go once again, folks, with um, a controversial decision. Um, another inexperienced player, but I don't care. I'm not, I'm not here to be fair tonight. I wanted to go Paxton. I was trying to find the numbers to back up my Paxton, you know, pick. And then I was like, I just, I just don't care enough. So I'm going for it. I'm going for it. And I'm saying Brian Bayo. And I'm saying this because when is Bayo going to be? I know, I know. Second season. I get it. Okay. When is Bayo going to be um, as good as he's supposed to be? I know we have trivia later on in the night, now. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you folks uh, a trivia question. He made, I want, I want to get it right. Okay. He made uh, 28 starts this year. Okay. Everybody's got the context. Don't have his numbers up in front of you of those 28 starts. And how many of them did he give up zero earned runs? I'm going to take a guess and say zero. Zero. Is that the bar? (laughs) All I'm saying is that he's very good and probably, uh, uh, I mean, he is the best pitcher we have right now. He's a three-war player. Okay, the numbers don't lie. But I'm looking at um, starts of... 
Oh, excuse me. There's one. I missed one. So he, he didn't give a look. Six, 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 five, 11 losses this year. And I know a, lo- a loss is an outdated statistic because um, that's based on when guys used to pitch the entire game. Uh, but um, it's a lot of losses. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Boom me all you want. But you covered everybody else. And I'm going to blame the guy who's supposed to be better than he actually is. Pat, you're a sick guy. <laughs> you're a sick guy attacking our young star. Hold it who, against me. Who you said yourself was the best pitcher on this team. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think there are it's plenty be better. of other bad hombres to attack, like James Paxton, like yeah. Garrett Whitlock. I think Tanner how how dare he stick his face out when that ball was coming at him? Listen, <laughs> hold it against me all you want. In in three years, when he wins the Cy Young, oh, Pat made fun of him one night when he was in a bad mood. You're right, I did, <laughs> and I blamed him for the entire season. What are you going to do about it? Keep the receipts. All I'm going to say is Pat seems to have this thing against young players. He's also a teacher. I wonder what those two <laughs> things have to do with each other. Can, can the, only, the only thing I'll, I'll say on Bayo is you asked when they, when he's going to start pitching like like you know like you think he's going to be good. How about when they stop pitching him in day games? Well, you can't day just games. say I'm on Pat's I, side. Can, I just want to make this point: day Our games six ninety four ERA, night games three oh six ERA. Like I understand that like uh, you're back in the ilk. He needs that to change, <laughs> obviously, but like you know. And that's not just going to come and snap. Premium. All right, Derek, I don't know what so it is. Here's but, the thing. You know. This is why you're a sick. You're also a sick guy. Maybe sicker than Pat. Because how can you expect a baseball team to revolve its starting rotation around not letting Brian Bayo pitch day games? It's no, like going to have to. But what I'm saying though is like what I'm more so saying is like like obviously that you know he's been pitching well in night games. I wonder if maybe it's something to do with like sleep because that's a big thing for day, for some pitchers with sleep. Maybe it's a because day game normally players. Okay, well then he has to get over it. Seven o'clock. It's, it's not an no, excuse. I, no, I understand that, but at the same time, maybe there. It's like me. No, I'm not I'm making an excuse. For them, I wake up at ten thirty in the morning on on Mondays and Wednesdays because oh. I can. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to wake up at eight. You understand, Derek? I mean, he has to do no, his job. I, no, I get that, but what I'm under what I'm saying is. There could potentially – I don't know what they are. Obviously, I'm not in the everyday stuff the Red Sox. I don't know. But maybe there's stuff that maybe the Red Sox could say, hey, maybe we think you should, maybe you need more sleep before you do Maybe he's this, a vampire. Maybe there's this thing we can help you with. Maybe there's that thing we can – I'm I, just saying maybe there's something there. I also want to jump in real quick you know. and correct myself. I was correct originally. The number is zero. I was looking <laughs> – I was looking at the other tab that I had, which was Paxton. So Paxton had more scoreless appearances than Bayo did this year. So I wonder if these appearances uh, where he gave up eight runs, where he gave up six runs, where he gave up five runs, I wonder if those were all the day games that he pitched in. He was really uh, probably he he was pretty, he's awful in day games and he's usually pretty good at night. I'm thrilled for a second year player. Just the fact that he made 28 starts is you know pretty good, but. Four point two four ERA. He also didn't start like last season in Double A. I think no. Like I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 being bold with this one, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. He's gonna be better I, next year too. I I would love for that to be true. I we need for He's that. He's shown flashes. You just want to see more consistency. Essentially. Yeah, he had like he had like a really great game against the Yankees in June. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on to the bullpen. You want to talk about <laughs> putting blame on people who are good? The bullpen was really good this year and um, didn't have a ton of faults. And of all the quote unquote mistakes Heim Bloom made, um, he realized at the very least that his bullpen sucked for years and that um, he was going to go all in on making a really good one. And he did. So, Luke, I'm going to start with you because you were like, oh, I have someone. <laughs> so I want to know uh, who that person is. No, who else's bullpen sucked for years? Dave Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> um, so the only reason the Tigers didn't win a World Series with that stack team. Uh, so I picked someone. I wasn't picking someone. The World oh, Series I- of Heim Bloom's bullpen has I- been too. I wasn't. I wasn't picking. Well, oh. 
One time Bloom's been in the league 40 years. Let's see. Um, so I didn't tell Pat, like, oh, I got some. He's not going to make it that long, Luke. <laughs> oh, I got somebody. Like, like I had someone I really wanted to rake over the coals. Not at all. But I did find somebody. Um, again, like Pat said, you know, is it fair to blame a rookie? Well, it's it's the bullpen on a team that had a good bullpen this year. So I'm actually uh, blaming Chris Murphy. I figure that's the one guy you can blame here with this uh, bullpen. He's a rookie, yeah. And he had a great, great start to the season. Uh, but as he went on, just teams really started barreling his fastball. Uh, he was really atrocious at the end. Like his first, I want to say, 10, 12 appearances, he was really good. And then he was getting knocked around. Um, he needs some more deception, you know, in his uh, pitch mix and stuff. And I think he'll get better. He's got plenty of time to get better. He's a rookie. I don't even know how old he is, but he's a rookie. Um, so, uh, you know, a little more deception in his pitch mix could have brought um, some rest, a little extra rest to the late inning relief pitchers that were overworked um, and the team some more uh, much needed innings. Like if you take a look at his game logs, it's a, uh, it's a pretty ugly uh, after you get the fat past the first uh, eight or 10. Yes. Let's blame uh, the mop up guy. Uh, Derek, you want to go? It's not what he it was. The bulk There's an guy. obvious choice here. <laughs> yeah. It's Caleb Ort. Oh, okay. Okay. I forgot. He existed. That's the point. He's so bad. Like you don't think about him until it's like, until his name's right in front of your face. And that's like, Oh, yeah, that guy exists. There you go. Like, I don't even want to read his stats, but 626 ERA um, and a 586 FIP in 23 innings. Like, although part of me wants to also say maybe there's something with the pitching coaches or development or whatnot going on on the big league level because Ryan Brasher was terrible. He leaves. Derek, you can't see the the Then he's right? taking other people's picks, okay? I'm just <laughs> saying, I, I, part of me, if we were just picking pitching in general, I would say like the pitching development or like at the yeah, big right. level or pitching staff, but or the pitching staff at the big league level. But I felt like we were kind of forced to pick players. So like, I'd, we'll no, have Derek, a category for that. Derek, you totally got to, and I'm going to bring it, bring it up later, but you totally got to the, the point of what I was trying to say about Bayo before you guys bullied me out of it is that I'm really bring, uh, blaming Bayo on Dave Bush, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Joey, your bullpen guy. I'm going to pick Garrett Whitlock. I, I, he doesn't fit in a particular category. I, I guess I'm putting him where he should be. Now, I, I will admit, I was an advocate for, for Whitlock starting. You guys heard me say that many times. I guess I was wrong. Not something that happens very often on this show, but but it but it but it did happen. He he is totally broken, at least in my eyes. Um, hopefully, next year he has the time to sync back up and and figure things out again. But the electric bullpen piece he was at one time, he no longer is. He is a broken toy. He's a victim. He's a victim of the Heimbloom regime. The tyranny, the tyranny of Heim Bloom, and maybe now that we'll be under new management, he'll feel comfortable again and safe and able to pitch. But yeah, I mean, he totally lost his relief. He, he couldn't, he couldn't pitch relief anymore. He couldn't start. I, I'm guessing that you know being knocked around so badly as a starter poorly affected him. He doesn't have a great um, barrier when it comes to injury. But yeah, Garrett Whitlock to me is one of the biggest failures of this bullpen because, I mean, Caleb Ort, let's be honest, the guy pitched 25 innings for this team. You know, it's like we're blaming Kyle Bearclaw, you know? Caleb Ort didn't matter. Caleb Ort was, Caleb Ort was the bottom bullpen arm when he, was on, when he was on the team. He was the bottom guy. He was the, the last pitcher. Yeah, he was the yeah, last and they option. put him in the ninth inning, down five, and they give up two or three runs, and they forced them to use Kenley. When they should have saying, he was the last option. He was the last option. <laughs> that is, the yeah, last he was that bad of a last Derek, option. Derek is right. That happened like three or four times. Where, like, yeah. that happened. I remember, it, was, it gave me a multiple. I was like, 
the crowd was getting all riled up over Cumberbatch, and I was like, no, 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 guys, we still have Kenley. Like, you can't get too excited. Yeah, about but you shouldn't have had to have used Kenley. That was, that's kind of my point in picking well, Caleb. What I'm saying is, you cannot expect the last option in the bullpen to to not be bad. He was bad. I think the more prudent thing to do is go after the people that were supposed to be good. Um, so you're right, Joey, but I'm going to um, not do that. And I'm going to save Ryan Brazier because it was a big joke. <laughs> Brazier stinks. Brazier stinks. <laughs> this guy sucked for years. He had one good month in 2021 that helped us get to the playoffs. And then they gave him a lot of goodwill. Um, it's it's shocking how good he's been on the Dodgers. I mean, sort of unbelievable. And like uh, above, like this is a joke. Like he has a .7 ERA in a Dodger uniform. When you go to the baseball reference page for the 2023 Dodgers, you know how it lists like their top 12 players. He's the fourth best pitcher on the team in terms of war. He joined that team late. I think he tank. I think I don't think he wanted to pitch here. I think he pitched like crap. On purpose, I think he was trying to get cut. I think he was trying to get picked up by the 100-win Dodgers, and I think he was trying to win the World Series. You think he did that for four years? I think he's going to get— Too bad because the Diamondbacks are beating the Dodgers. That's not going to happen. I think he's going to pitch the final out in the World Series. He's going to be the World Series MVP. (laughs) Very well played. You don't want to be the guy who pitches the last out in the World Series for the Dodgers. You you know what happened to the last guy that happened to? I don't want— Oh, God. (laughs) If Brazier closes out the World Series— You know, there's going to be people falling off of roof, rooftops in Boston. He closes out the World Series. He's not going to have a career in three years. I think uh, I think it should be directly tied to Dave Bush's contract. The better Brazier does, the quicker we fire Bush. Like, if he's if he, – Is he going to come back? If he's, he's World Series go. MVP, we have to fire Bush on November 4th. Like, there's no, no two ways about it. Okay, um, what do we have next? The defense. Luke, I'll go to you first again on this one. Um, who are you blaming for the defense? Uh, there are some good options here. <laughs> like, not good options, but there's a variety of options to pick here. This is by far the worst defense in baseball, by and probably by a record margin, I would guess, between them and the number 29 team. But I am going to go with a guy who was already mentioned tonight, uh, Rafael Devers. Uh, he improved his defense in 2022, and... He he started out this year, if you remember. He started out this year really good, too. He made one error in April this season. And then he took a huge step back this year. It might have had something to do with Kike Hernandez playing next to him and just feeling like the guy to my left is booting everything and I got to really be on top of things. It might have been psyching him out. He played a lot better once Trevor Story got back. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate that. He played a lot better when Trevor Story got back, and he had a really good shortstop playing next to him. Uh, so hopefully he'll be better in 2024 because he can relax a little because he's going to have one of the best shortstops in the league uh, playing next to him instead of the worst shortstop of all time. But I can't. I absolutely disagree with blaming him for the offense considering his numbers there. Uh, but uh, you can definitely blame him uh, for the defense. Uh, Joey. Sorry, Luke. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Okay. I woke up at 730 in the morning. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. The horror. How'd you manage that? Oh. You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have my daily mandated nap today. It's, it's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Like, you know, we, whenever I join a labor union, I'm going to have union mandated naps, you know, for a period of an hour. But, my defensive pick, I can't believe Luke didn't say him. I was worried Luke was going to steal him from me. Kiki Hernandez. I mean, was there a bigger defensive malfeasance than what that would came from, from Kiki Hernandez? He couldn't play the position he was ordered to play. He couldn't play it. He was awful. He told everyone he was going to be good at shortstop. We all thought he was going to be good. And he was terrible. And he played there forever. I'm in in the post-time bloom world, right? So I like to call it the, the AC after Heim. We are all praising Alex Cora. Alex Cora's great and all of this. And, you know, 
there's a lot of positive things about Alex Cora. But one thing I remember from this season, and I'm sure you guys remember as well, was Cora's constant refusal to take Kiki Hernandez off of shortstop for for weeks for weeks any normal person would have taken Kiki Hernandez off of shortstop and and for some reason Alex Cora would not do it so yeah uh Kiki Hernandez despite the fact he's not on the team anymore is my big blame for the bad defense he was the symbol of bad Red Sox defense for me Derek. Do I have to blame a player? Because if I am, it's definitely Kike. But, like, can I blame Alex Cora? Like, Joey said, for just continuously putting him at shortstop. Although it clearly wasn't working when you had other options. Even if they couldn't hit at all, they were better options, at least defensively. I mean, I don't know. Du Chang was doing well. Pablo Reyes. I mean, like, at least there are options who can play shortstop. I, 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 I. I know not everyone's a big fan of defensive metrics, but, like, even the defensive metrics agree with what everyone's eyes tells you, and that he was horrific. Um, in With the Red Sox, 484 innings at shortstop. He had negative six defensive runs saved, a negative five UZR, a UZR per, 150, uh, per 150 games of negative 10, and negative 12 outs above average. Uh, just, that's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, uh, let's also add in the fact, too, um, 14 errors at shortstop. 14 with the Red Sox. 14. That's so outrageous. That's in 64 games and 54 starts at shortstop. 14 errors. You might Basically, an error every fifth, fourth or fifth game. That's outrageous. A, lo- like, a lot of them came at big times, too. Eighth ex- inning, and ninth think, inning in yes. close games. Yes, and Luke did mention this when he was mentioning talking about Devers, but like I truly believe Kike had an effect on Devers' defense because Kike was so bad at shortstop that like Kike was so bad at shortstop. I think it truly affected Devers when Story stepped in, and Story's defensive metrics have been outrageous, stupid, like outrageous. Um, and Devers has been an even defensive player with Story at shortstop next to him. With Kike, no, not at all. But so. I think Kike may – I know Story's, like, an elite defensive shortstop, so it, you're going from, like, the worst to, like, one of the best. Um, so it is a massive difference in who's next to you, but clearly had some sort of difference because when Story stepped in at shortstop, Devers was fine. So it's got to be Kike Hernandez for me. I think that we should just, like, poach the entire Dodgers coaching staff and just offer to pay them, like, triple or, like, quadruple what they make right now. Like, coaches don't make that much compared to, like, you know – Definitely not compared to like player salaries. Like I'm sure. Can we hire Aaron Bates and bring him to our hitting coach staff? It wouldn't kill former Red Sox minor good. leaguer. Oh my god, I haven't thought about Aaron Bates in a while. Um, okay. Uh, what is it? Defense. Can we hire uh, Ryan Lavarnway to be here. <laughs> Ryan Dude, Aaron Bates is the Dodgers. Professional he's baseball. one of the hitting coaches for the Dodgers. He does. Yeah he 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 played for Team Israel in the WBC. And I don't know if he played. I thought he retired after that. He might have. He played in Indie Ball last year. He played for like, you know, the Akron, Ohio, you know, donkeys or whatever. But like he was still playing every day. (laughs) He was still still catching like every day. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's been playing steadily professionally this whole time. Yes. I will say though, like Aaron Bates, he actually is a hitting coach for the Dodgers. I think he's like an assistant hitting coach for them. He was like my favorite player in MLB 2K10. What about, what about it's James a long story, but yeah, that would be so <laughs> Okay. Um, my my defense pick, um, once again, folks, the theme of the night, um, controversial. Okay. I don't care how good he's been. He wasn't there enough. I'm going to blame Trevor Story. Okay. Because you can be great when you're on the – that's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. Do not root for a joke, Joey. <laughs> Okay, moving on. No, no, no. Kike, obviously, obvious answer. Um, okay, last one is is vibe, not last one, but in terms of players, um, the last one, um, the vibes, the vibes, up and down, definitely down, 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 down. The last six weeks, basically, kind of since like the trade deadline. Once again, we had um, some not as bad as it was last year, but a little bit of whininess after the trade deadline that things didn't go the way that the players wanted, and um, the vibes were just a little bit off. So, uh, Luke, who are you going to blame for the vibes? 
uh, another repeat offender here, Alex Verdugo. He's uh, benched at least twice this season, once for lack of hustling, maybe a second time for lack of hustling, and another time for tardiness in a huge game showing up to the stadium two hours late. Uh, he is, and first of all, for the hustling, he is not nearly good enough to get away with dogging it like Barry Bonds on a ground ball. Um, he was a big, uh, it, his, him showing up late, I feel like was a big contribution to the, that, that famous August sweep at the hands of the Toronto Blue Jays. Strolling in two hours late for such a big game. Cora had to light him up. He probably lit him up in the clubhouse, too. But he lit him up in the press conference afterwards. Just an awful look for a team that's trying to claw their way into the race. And that sweep, that was the beginning of the end uh, for this team this season. Um, if he could have done his job, um, you know, just if done his job. If he could have just showed up on time, maybe those horrible vibes could have been salvaged just a bit, uh, but obviously it was things were. I know, I know players were upset that uh, the, the Bloom didn't load up at the tra- trade deadline. For some reason, they were expecting that. Uh, but one of your key, your leadoff hitter, one of your supposedly one of your best players, showing up late like that, you know, just showing that he's got no conception of of what is expected from him. Just really a pathetic showing from him. Um, He's a complete dunce. He's got no business being in any type of leadership role on any team. Um, He can, uh, he can uh, share a cab with Chris sale on their way out of Boston. Get them both out. Uh, Speaking of poor leaders, I'm going to go next um, because I've gone last (laughs) every other one. Um, I feel like um, once again, Controversial pick. Okay. I know. I know I said a lot, but this is how I feel. Um, You're not usually one for controversy. No, I know. I'm usually the level headed one. You know, I usually <laughs> had to calm you guys down. I guess I'm in a mood tonight. Um, yeah, usually Luke and Derek are always doing all the controversy, and me and Pat are. Yeah, yeah, Joey, you are different. <laughs> okay, anyway. It's definitely. Luke and Joey, let's be yeah, fair. Yeah. They go back and forth for yeah. like 15 minutes at a time. But yeah. Um, I'm just going to say it, guys. The the reason I think some of the vibes were off, a guy who was just never never in a good mood, always sour, I don't think ever gave it 100%. Um, it's going to have to be Justin Turner. I think that this guy was always – that's a joke. Um, Joey, you're you – know, obviously the answer is Alex Verdugo. Um, I hope he doesn't play for us next year more than um, just about anything that I hope for in my life. Um, Joey, who are you blaming for the vibes? The vibes. Who am I blaming for the vibes? I'll tell you one thing. It's it's not Alex Verdugo. It's not Alex Verdugo. It's it's not Justin Turner. It's not Kiki Hernandez. It's not Kevin McCarthy. It's not Christian Vasquez. It's not Matt Gates. It's not Yoshida. It's the general manager of the Boston Red Sox, formal general manager of the Boston Red Sox, Heim Bloom. He was never the general manager. You feel good about that, Derek? You feel, you feel high and mighty about yes, that? Yes, I do, actually. I do. Okay? <laughs> Heim Bloom did all he could to destroy the morale of that team. He called them underdogs. He didn't help them at the trade deadline. And I think, honestly, I mean, I know you guys like to laugh, but I think he had a major part in lowering the morale of the team, not just from his incompetence in an action at the trade deadline, not just from his incompetence, not just that, but from the thing he said about the team being underdogs. He put the team down verbally. And I'm sure he said other things. You know, we weren't expected to win. I mean, all these things leaked out. You know, we weren't picked. We weren't statistically there. Bloom did kill the vibes of this team. We were two games out, a game and a half out, and he started saying all of these things. So absolutely, I blame the vibes on, on a, in great part on Bloom. I mean, obviously Alex Verdugo, but who hasn't showed up late to class before? It's just like class, but a baseball game and you get paid millions of dollars. It's like the same thing. <laughs> Derek. Uh, I know you said you have two. I'm going to let you say both, but you got to go, Speedy, because we're running long on this show. Well, Alex Verdugo was one, so like, yeah. The, yeah. Um, my other one, one this right, is more on, on the pu- this is more so the public vibes of the team. I think Kenley Jansen killed the public vibes of this team. 
with all his comments about the trade deadline and uh, blah, 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 blah. You're blah, a maniac. Blah, blah. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat J- the words he said. Jansen was speaking then, on behalf of the team. Joey. Literally, morale-wise, they were like, you're a veteran guy. Please speak on our behalf, Kenley. You don't let we that get out of the clubhouse, though. Yes, you do. That's, that's how bad no, it don't. was, Derek. How bad it, they were treated by Heim Bloom and his sycophants like you that they felt compelled how to say, we don't like this. They were treated. How bad they were treated. How bad can I, they can were I say treated. my point? No, you shouldn't. Because okay. your point is yes, stupid. Yes, I should. No, like they were so. digging. Like, were, like they were mining iPhone batteries in Africa. <laughs> he treated them so badly. Yeah, listen, Blood Diamond, the Blood Diamond of baseball. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Derek, go. Because my point is more so, and then as soon as Bloom goes out the door, which is especially when the Red Sox started sucking, was after he gone. Mute me, Pat. He, he had left. Um, who's the person to go start complaining about the trade deadline again after the guy leaves? Oh, Kenley Jansen. I love Kenley, but like, dude, I understand you missed the playoffs for the first time in like your career, maybe, but like, really. So like, he killed the vibes after the vibes were dead. He killed dead. the public vibes You're, because the it's public like vibes. The, the public vibes were like pitchforks and knives. What are you talking about? No, any any good feeling anyone had about the team was started to really got shut down as soon as Kenley Jansen started complaining again about did, did anybody this and have that. good vibes about this team when Heim Bloom was fired. Not a ton of people, but I said if, if there was any sliver no one, of hope left. The answer is left, no. I want Luke to defend him. Are you willing to defend him on this, or will you agree that I'm right? No, I, I, I definitely see Derek's point, and there's definitely – yeah, he shouldn't have said that. There's no reason to make that stuff public. What, the team elected him? Shut up. They didn't have a vote. You can go say, to Kenley, his office and tell we need him. You to, we need you to speak for us, big guy. No, you say that stuff in the clubhouse, and you keep a united front with the with the organization – uh, in the public, you don't let that. Crack you're a company out. man. You're a slave to the man. You're a lemming. You're a follower. You're a merchant of lies. Okay. It's one thing to say. I wish we brought in. We could have brought in an extra couple extra players one time after the trade deadline and leave it, but and, but still be confident in your group. It's another thing to complain because oh, our group wasn't good enough and we needed. You more. know who else said the group wasn't good enough? Heim Bloom. Before Kenley said that, do you ever think that you're like you know, um, you know, you're like the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth guy in the roster, and and Kenley goes like, yeah, this team just isn't good enough, and you're like, all right, man, well, cool. Screw <laughs> <laughs> you, Kenley. Ryan Brazier's like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Claw. Anyway, um, uh, the bad yes. news, folks, is that we are not going to have time to talk about the front office, talk about the coaching staff. We're going to have to save it because the episode is already long and I don't want to have to cut Derek's prospect of the year and Joey's Joker's wild trivia of the year. So we're going to run long anyway, but um, I want to give these these guys uh, their due diligence. I live for long shows. I know you do. Um, I have to go to bed. Um, Derek, you asked for extra time. We used to give you 90 seconds, and then you never needed it, so we, we, we turned it into 60 seconds. But it is prospect of the year. Um, once again, I feel like I know who you're going to pick, but I'm going to let you say it. I'm gonna say so you minutes. have eight minutes. Two minutes. Eight minutes. <laughs> and no one, Joey, no one is allowed to interrupt you for two minutes. Okay? Go. All right. Prospect of the year. This should come as no shock to anyone, but it is Roman Anthony. Um, obviously, spectacular year, just overall, uh, the numbers in low A, which Salem is not a hitter-friendly ballpark, let me remind you, not at all, 228 average, doesn't sound amazing, 376 on base, uh, 316 slugging, a 109 way to run created plus, but the underlying numbers, the batted ball numbers, the stuff that we as a public cannot see, but the Red Sox get, MLB teams get, and some talent evaluators who they, they can't put it out there, but they get it too, Everyone was saying it's top-notch, outrageous for a kid who's 19 years old. Goes up to high A after 42 games in low A. High A, 54 games, 294 average, 412 on base, 569 slugging, a 164 weighted runs created plus. That's outrageous. And once again, at only 19 years old. Also, hit 12 homers in high A in those 52 games compared to just one in low A. And that just tells you Salem's a a terrible hitter's ballpark. 
was amazing in high A. And he was doing this too, was playing solid defense in center field. Nothing spectacular like Sedan Rafaela, but like still still good enough defense to play center. Will he stick in center long term? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not because I would assume Rafael is long term for the Red Sox, preferably to, with his defense. But he'll be fine defensively wherever he ends up in the outfield. And then he gets a late season call up to double A, plays 10 games there. 343 average, 477 on base, 543 slugging. That is a small sample size, um, so not really much. But he did also hit a homer um, overall over the course of the year. He stole 16 bases. Um, and his walk rate across the three levels was 19%, 16%, and then 18% in the small uh, time in uh, in double A. Also, too, started to hit lefties really well in, uh, in high A, which he struggled against in single A and low A. So that's another thing as well. So... Um, just stellar year from Roman Anthony all around. It's just stellar, stellar. Who drafted him? Just under the wire. Who drafted him? Uh, I would believe that'd be Heinblum and Paul Taboni. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Joey, uh, you get to wrap up our final sock show of the season uh, with your Joker's Wild trivia. Um, I'll hand it over to you. Welcome to Joker's Wild Trivia. I've prepared something for you guys tonight. I've I've taken a long time to prepare this. And we're gonna we're gonna have a good time tonight. I, I'm I'm hoping to see. I think Luke is the champion for this year so far. I think Pat has had the least victories out of everyone. So anyway, my my first question. There's been a lot of talk about managers, how great they are. I want to ask you guys a question. Which manager has the most losses of all time? Oh, ever? Like ever. in Red Sox history or just basically? Ever, all time. Like Connie Mack? Connie Mack. There you go. Hey. I was gonna say it, and I was like, "Uh, might be, might be Casey Stengel. Somebody else has been around forever. Somebody who damn. who managed seventy three seasons. Yeah, yeah. So I, so job, ironically, who, you know who was number two on that list? Tony Larusa. Again, managed, forever. and most of those just came from the twenty twenty two Chicago White Sox. But yeah, go ahead. Correct. <laughs> One more question. A lot of hullabaloo is made about the trade from the trade from all right Derek you deal with that um the trade from Babe Ruth from the Red Sox to the Yankees a lot of hullabaloo is made about this you know there's a whole curse all of this and Harry Frizee is blamed of course he sold Babe Ruth to fund the play no no Nanette uh, which was what I think is his wife's play from what I remember my question for you guys is, Harry Frizee eventually sold the Red Sox. What year did he sell them? 1923. Luke Tobin, right on the money? Whoa. <laughs> what? Wow. I don't play, folks. I don't play. Wow. So, Joey, we need a tiebreaker. I know you said you only have one more question, but um... – Derek's out because he didn't get one. Luke and I are tied. We need a tiebreaker question. What I'm saying is I would like to win one this season. Okay. Okay. Let me – Well, I mean I usually ask three questions anyway. You did say one more and then you pontificated for about 45 seconds. So I'm not – maybe you didn't. Mean okay. 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 I want to know which pitcher – has the most all-time wins in relief. Goose Gossage? Not Goose Gossage, but I think that's a pretty good guess. He's number three on the list. Wow. Uh, I'm just going to, like, Trevor Hoffman? No. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be an older guy. Yeah. In relief, though, because relief was so weird because, like, who 
who pitched in relief? Yeah, not many. There wasn't all that much relief pitching. Right, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Um, maybe a hint, a team, maybe. Yeah, or a decade. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a team. Although I believe he played for more than one team, which is a hint in, in and of itself. He played. Let me see. For the bulk of his career, he spent. Okay, I'll tell you this. He had a really long career, and I, I do believe you guys both know who he is. He had a really long career. It didn't help me at all. Yeah. I mean, like, it narrowed it down to everyone. um yeah a team or a decade one of the decades he played in one of the decades he played in wins right yeah Yeah. wins in relief Uh, i was like uh, like maybe a closer who like lucked out i don't know he played a lot in the 60s and 50s oh Oh, um wilbur Wilbur. It's not Bill Roar. Okay, did I hear Wilbur Wood on one of you guys? Yeah, I was kidding. Yeah, that's a. Okay, that's wrong. And then would you start her? I don't think it's right, or else you would have recognized the name. Bill Roar is what I said. Bill Roar. I really want Um, you guys to get this. I'll give you. I'll give you another hint because I I don't want to come up with a new question. (laughs) He threw a knuckleball. Oh my god. Which was part of the theming of this. You see how I'm good like that? Very topical. Hoyt Wilhelm. Boom! Oh! Dang! Nice. That was what I needed. Nice. I couldn't Hoyt I just Wilhelm. couldn't get even when you said fifties, I just couldn't get closers out of my head. It's like maybe guys who like got put in close games. I don't know. A knuckleballer. Wow. Bob Stanley number four, by the way, on this list. I hated Bob Stanley with a That guy sucked. (laughs) And it's got nothing to do with the 86 World Series. He always sucked. Wow. Okay. Well, Luke is the reigning champion this this year, it looks like. Um, Pat, did you get a single win this year? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. But to be fair, it it was like my segment for like half the year. So... It's fine. Then we realized we need yeah. to give Joey something to do. So I'm just bummed. I, I, I get so many Twitter DMs from people saying, Joey, you know, my favorite segment of each episode is your trivia. <laughs> you know, can we do more trivia? Can you have, can you do five questions, seven questions? Yeah. So, I get a lot of maybe a trivia I get a lot episode of in the off season. Who knows? I got a, I get a lot of DMS from attractive women that say things like, Hi, me looking for a friend to fun with. <laughs> okay, we're going to call it there, folks. Um, Wants want together get? <laughs> thank you for <laughs> being with us the entire season, folks. Season sucked. Um, what's new? But uh, we had a lot of fun along the way. Lots of laughs. And boom's gone. Lots of goofs. Lots of trivia. Um, lots of late nights. But we appreciate you being there with us the entire time. We're going to tweak the schedule a little bit in the off season. Uh, and then come back with full sock shows again in the spring. You'll see um, how the show changes in the offseason when that comes. Um, all the places you can find us. Uh, this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, please rate us five stars, leave us a nice review, hit that subscribe button. So as soon as we drop episodes, you see how the new schedule changes next week. The episodes will just show up on your phone. You don't have to look for it. Um, what else? Uh, uh, Twitter, uh, which is called X now. Bleacherbrawls.com. Lots of fun stuff going on over there. I watched all 10 Saw movies, and um, they're all bad. And Luke wrote a great thing about Tim Wakefield, and Derek uh, predicted the uh, National Hockey League season this year. So um, lots of great stuff going on over there. Um uh, YouTube, uh, Derek, you don't get to say your thing. I'm going to log off for everybody. My name is Pat for Luke, for Derek, for Joey. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being here all season. Uh, and we'll see you next time. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on bleacherbrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter. <laughs>